Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, thank you, Rick Mitchell for introductions and my fantastic producer. Couldn't ask for a better one, Adam Zalouf. Today's guest uh, was a part of the 1986 World Champion New York Mets. He played two years for, uh, for Kansas City Royals. He was a catcher. But our guest today is more than that. He is someone who has inspired so many people. Uh, with the pitches he's hit off of the field. And uh, definitely has a great story, one that will uh, have impact on you, I'm sure. And that is Mr. Ed Hearn. Ed, thank you so much for being on our show today. You bet. Thanks for the at that, Coach. All right. All right. All right. Well, you know what? A lot of times, Ed, I like to ask our guests about their 17-year-old self. You know, where were they at? What were their goals and dreams? So I'll ask you, tell me about the Ed Hearn, the 17-year-old Ed Hearn. Well, you know, Claudio, I, I grew up, my dream was to be an NFL quarterback. I grew up in South Florida, and I, I just, um, I just that's what I wanted to do. But I played the high school. It was a great high school power, but it wasn't suited to develop NFL-type quarterbacks or college, for that matter, other than unless you were an option quarterback. So, you know, I, I tur- turned my focus uh, ultimately to baseball. I played three years of football, but... Uh, you know, I played baseball and, and uh, you know, I had the dream like so many do. And by the end of that senior year, I had, um, you know, many scholarship opportunities in, in both sports and uh, had a 3.96 GPA and uh, put into the West Point Military Academy and, and other different school options. But I was really, um, really hoping that I'd have the opportunity to, to sign. I had, I had, I was uh, raised pretty strictly and uh, I was in the books and uh, I was ready for a break and we were really looking forward to trying to explore something. So I was drafted by the Phillies in the fourth round of the June draft in 78. And, um, you know, I, I had a big decision. A lot of people uh, gave me a hard time for turning down West Point. But, uh, you know, I, I hadn't dreamed of, of being an Army general or colonel. I had dreamed of being a professional athlete. So I took that plane ride 2,300 miles to Helena, Montana, my rookie season with Phillies. Wow. And so tell us about draft, being drafted by the Phillies. I mean, that had to be a big deal for you. Well, yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, I was drafted high enough that, you know, I mean, I thought 26000 or whatever it was, I thought that was big money. And uh, But, you know, it was interesting. My senior year, um, I had a football physical that showed I had some, some kidney problems. And uh, they flew me over to the west, west coast of Florida to Tampa, and I saw a nephrologist specialist there, and he wanted to put a needle in it and biopsy it and things. And I said, man, what are you going to do with that? And he said, well, we can tell you what it is. And, you know, I said, then what? And he said, well, there's not much we can do. You know, it's it's not significant right now, but when you have kidney damage, it's likely to progress at some point. And, you know, at some point you may need dialysis and transplant. Well, <clears throat> I was thinking... You know, I was visualizing myself in a retirement home on dialysis. And um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I went into my baseball season after football, and uh, 
uh, <laughs> some weird things started happening. Um, uh, I had probably 15, 20 scouts at every ball game, and but the first half of my high school year, no kidding, I was hitting about 180. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, you know, I I could throw and I could block it and I could call it. I was solid, but you know, uh, you, you need to hit pitfall. But uh, you know, um, I, it got it got so crazy that um, you know the worst thing you can ever hear is a hitter is boy, you better get your eyes checked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and that was mom's advice. And um, well, I went down and got them checked, and sure enough, I had developed an astigmatism, and I need glasses. And as soon as I got those glasses, oh man, I did what you're supposed to do as a as a high round draft pick and hit 500 or something and ended up at about 380, 390, cumulatively. But uh, you know, by the time I started hit, most of the scouts were gone. It was crazy. I mean, um, but there was one scout that had watched me since I, my freshman year, sophomore year, yeah, my freshman year in, in, in summer ball. Uh, Andy Simonick, former catcher with the Philadelphia Athletics. And he'd come down, and he saw me in Melbourne, Florida, I think, the first time. And he just followed me through my career. And I, I, I remember the story my mom would tell me later about uh, him in the game in Stewart, Florida. I struck out three times, and he closed his book, got up, walked out of the stand, and passed my mom and dad said, God, your kid has a beautiful swing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mom told me that story. She said, I like to fall out of the chair. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I was thrilled to get, you know, to, to be drafted high enough that I could sign. Um, I didn't want, I didn't really want to go to West Point, And I really, probably I would have signed to JUCO and, uh, you know, played a couple of years and then and checked out things from there. So, um, you know, it, it was an exciting time. You know, at 17 years old, I was sitting in my high school graduation with an eight-page eight baseball contract because Andy was right there on my doorstep. And I got home, you know, people were saying, oh, what party are you going to? What party are you going to, Ed? And, well, like usual, I'm like, yeah, I ain't going to party. I don't do that. But I got a, I got I a sign an agent contract. That's right. That's right, man. And, you know, I, I got I got laughed at a little bit in high, in high school and all because I was, you know, I, I was just different. I was a solid guy. I mean, you know, I was athletic, academic, and, and you know, I behaved well. And, uh, you know, Mr., you know, I later – would go on in Jackson, Mississippi in 1984, double A, to be nicknamed Ward after Ward Cleaver. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what the heck. Uh, but, you know, so it was an exciting time. I had a, had a pretty solid girlfriend, and that was a little difficult for me. But uh, Helen, Montana, yeah, the motel there was called Last Chance Gulch. Last Chance what? <laughs> Gulch. Okay. G-U-L- yeah, gold, like a valley. Right, right. Yeah, so, uh, but, man, uh, that was a great season. I loved Montana. Um, it's it just beautiful out there. First time the Helena had had a, a professional team, minor league team, and uh, I, I, I was uh, co-MVPs with a guy you probably never heard of, Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> no, um, never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. So I hit about 280-something, and I think I had like 13 home runs, led the team, and um, just some wonderful things like, you know, I was around the second base on one of my earliest home runs there in Helena, and I looked up in the stands, and people were pouring out of the stands. I mean, running. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? An earthquake or 
I'm just like floored. Got the dugout. I said, what the heck is going on? He, I mean, the stands were almost empty by the time I got dugout. Oh, man, Eddie, you hit a phone run. They, they turned on the taps the rest of the inning. If you hit a ball straight away center out of the park over the pitching thing, and, you know, I mean, I'm 17 years old. I mean, I didn't hardly, I didn't drink. And, uh, you know, it's just craziness, crazy stuff. Yep. Now, unfortunately, you were released by the Phillies in 83, but then you had a, a big break happen to you by getting signed by the New York Mets. Tell us about that. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, but, well, I had uh, I had some bad injuries uh, after that rookie year and uh, missed a year and a half. Uh, the Phillies team doctor would end up telling the Phillies they didn't even think I'd walk normal, let alone catch. So my remainder of the time after I came back and say it was 80, Mm, it was 1980 and went to single A and, you know, played the three or four years there, but they were using me as a offensive, uh, you know, I was no longer a prospect. I was a suspect and um, they were, you know, I was just playing ball and they were using me to help other guys advance to become major leaders. So I just said, look, gentlemen, I want to catch if I can't, you know, I'm never going to be a, a first baseman DH in the big leagues. I don't hit for, you know, I'm not going to hit 30, 40 home runs. Well, unless I did steroids, I would come to find out later. But uh, the uh, they said, yeah, that's fine with us. We'll give you a release. And so I signed with the, the Mets and uh, Steve Shriver, the minor league director. He said, yeah, I'll give you a shot at splitting 50-50 time in the Carolina League, which I was an MVP all-star there in, uh, the year before, maybe two years before. And, uh, but, you know, it was worth it. Give me a chance to catch because I love to catch. And uh, I knew I could hit. And, um, you know, uh, it started from there. And, you know, you say I called the lucky break. Actually, it was the Mets that caught the lucky break. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know. well, I went up uh, the next four years. And baseball people like Sabre, the baseball analyst people that know everything about sure. how many times you pulled your socks up in a game. Yeah, um, yeah. They they researched this and said, Ed, we think you might, you might be the only player to have played four consecutive years and won a championship at each of the steps of minor league, single A, double A, triple A, and then the wow. World Series in yeah. consecutive years. So, uh, you know, so then they traded me away get, to get a little head on the story. They traded me away to, you know, Kansas City for a guy named David Cohn, yeah. and they haven't won, they haven't won a World Series since. So, right. Uh, one one uh, one blog writer came out in I don't know two thousand something. And I find this link and it's the curse of Ed Hearns. Why there the Mets have not won in thirty some years? <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah. They they should call it that, right? You yeah, can make well, some money on this it. Year, well, you know, Coach, a um, a, a fan and good friend of mine lives along. And he's the biggest collector of Ed Hearns memorabilia, and I'm always kidding him. I said, man, with that, David, you'll love. Uh, you can put six or eight kids through college, man, at some point. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he started a Facebook group, private group, only invitations, and, you know, you had to be checked out before you committed, but it's called the Ed Hearn Fanny Club. The Ed Hearn Fanny Club. <laughs> check that out. Yeah, you have to go check it out. I, uh, uh, the, um, and he also, a month later, he goes, Ed, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, have a bobblehead of you made. And I'm like, no, David, that's too much. This Facebook <laughs> stuff's enough. I mean, 
seriously, man, I'm, I'm just, that's not me. And I, I only played a couple of years. And he said, man, it ain't about your playing. It's about the man you are. That's what this is about. Right. And I want, right. I want this to represent, and I want people to know that this is not about, you don't have to have a, you know, have a great career out of bobblehead, but you, you know, it's worth, if you're worthy of this. And he started out with, I'm just going to do it for me, you and that kid that you used to visit, had cancer and all that stuff. This three of us, well, it turned out to be 49 of them because I'm a number of 49 in New sure, York. Sure. And, um, but he did that because he respects me as a man and, and the guy that I've become after going through a lot of stuff. So, right. you know, I don't know. It's a long journey it's been, but uh, a long, long ways from uh, the Carolina League in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. And, That's for boy, sure. Uh, but, you know, it was a good time. It was a good time to be a Met. When I came over, because they had all those high round draft picks, uh, right. Dwight Gooden, uh, Daryl Strawberry, Billy Bean, all number one picks. Uh, Billy Bean and I roomed together for for two years in Lynchburg. No, yeah, Lynchburg and Jackson. And if you look up Billy Bean's stats, uh, you go on to be Moneyball famous. But Billy had every tool in the book, man. Him and Strawberry, they were they were stacked. He had everything, but he couldn't hit the curveball and. Uh, so those that year and a half or two years that we played together and roomed together, uh, I would call pitches from the on deck circle for him. I was very adept at picking up, you know, pitchers tipping. I mean, right, I could right. read them. I read them like a book. I mean, I read catchers too. And and nobody ever caught us. But if you look under Billy Bean, you'll find that those two years, eighty three, eighty four, were his two best years. And after that, he, you know, and and I kind of kid myself. Uh, I really hadn't talked to Billy that much, but I tell him, you know, man, maybe I did you a disservice if you didn't get to learn to hit that off me. Right. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the Met years, uh, which were some exciting mm-hmm. years for you. Uh, after our commercial break, to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney, er, attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club, and my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that on my website, ClaudioRosano.com. JohnMelvinPublishing.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the Barnes and Noble in Robinson Township. We're right back with 1986 World Champion Ed Hearn. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad, and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's, the hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 
502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, Ed, you talk about the Mets a little bit. You mentioned a few names. I'm going to throw some names at you and uh, tell us uh, whatever you want to tell us about them. First of all, Hall of Famer, Gary Carter. Well, I can tell you one thing, Coach. Uh, our only child, Cody, the middle name is Carter. Oh, there He's you 26 go. 26 or 7 years old now, and, uh, you know, uh, that's what I thought of Gary Carter. So, uh, of course, I caught behind him. Uh, he was a great, great player. He was starting to get maybe on the edge of the backside in 86, uh, but he was still had a great year, and uh, he always – I, uh, I felt a little bad about, um, you know, he, he said, well, if it wasn't for that bad dump I had and missed two weeks, I'd have been the MVP in the National League. And, you know, he was referring to the fact that uh, in late August when he, he heard his thumb was on the up two weeks, you know, it was, it was head, head, whoopsie, there we go, that big dog barking at us. <laughs> Excuse me just a second. That's all right. Mm-hmm. He, um, uh, let's see. Get back on track here. What was I talking about? <laughs> Gary Gary Carter's thumb. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, in August when when we were on DL, uh, we we went like eleven to three. It was a little tough on him because uh, got to be the end of two weeks, and man, the guys in the clubhouse he'd be icing his thumb and you know doing some other stuff with his knees, and they'd be saying, "Oh, Gary, man, man, kid, kid was his nickname. Maybe you ought to." I used to have a couple more weeks, man. It made me, uh, oh, it made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly was a great one. Uh, what about Daryl yes, Strawberry? Man, Daryl, Daryl is an amazing story. I, uh, if you had asked me that five years ago, I'd have said he's the biggest jerk I ever played with. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, just, oh, he was, I mean, highly talented, all the tools in the world, obviously. And, um, uh, ridiculously talented, but for me, Daryl Strawberry story is about a guy who was an absolute, I can't say it on, because I don't know what your show's rated, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, he was, he was my least favorite teammate of all time. Wow. But you know, the man's going around today uh, as a, as a share in his faith right. all over the country as a strong Christian man. And, you know, um, the first first year or two, I was like, man, I don't know about this. But I've heard him speak in person. I've talked to him several times, and and he is a new man. And so my hat is off to Daryl. And uh, Dwight Gooden. Doc, man, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, in Lynchburg, Virginia, that first year I was with the Mets there, um, A-ball, Doc was like 18, 19 years old, and he struck out 300 hitters. Mm. In a, you know, in, in a minor league season, and he that's when he lit up. And um, just a great guy, just a good kid. Uh, but he he's he's the kind of guy that 
I've used some examples for when people talk about these kids get messed up in drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like Daryl was the kind of guy that he'd go back in the off season, and this was the root of his problem to me was he'd go back to the Tampa Bay area and and he had he was from a rough area, and you know the boys like, oh come on man, you too good to hang with us now? Mm-hmm. Oh come on, Doc, man come on man, let's go have my little puff here. And, you know, he just got sucked in. Then he had some bad influence from Daryl and, and a couple of the, you know, a couple of the guys in the Mets team. We weren't the, uh, um, we weren't the Snow Whites. That's for darn right. sure. I mean, uh, uh, a guy named Jeff Perlman wrote a book about us, The Bad yes. Guys Won. And, uh, right, right. My mom, my mom finally read that book and she said, oh, my God, if I had known that was going on, I would have I died of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do anything. So, man. uh. Not at all. Heck no. I mean, I did get some wonderful reviews. Yeah, one guy who reviewed that book actually said something about me being um, the angelic-like Ed Hearn and Gary Carter and Mookie Wilson. But the rest of that team, yeah, I mean, they called me out by name with Gary and Mookie. And uh, I think he called it angelic-like, I guess, especially compared to the backdrop of the scum bunch that was sure. <laughs> was a big core of our eighty sixteen. It was a cast of characters, boy. And and a and a couple more. Uh, Lee Mazzilli. Lee Mazzilli. Well, that's a good name. Wow. There you go. Well, Lee Lee came into our club in eighty six. You know, kind of partway through after some moves had been made. Lee was a pretty classy guy. Uh, you know, he he'd been around for a while. I never really got to know Lee real good, but I mean, he was he was a professional, uh, no doubt. Uh, he, everybody, he was from the New York area, so everybody loved him. And, uh, but he, you know, he did his job, whatever it was, mostly a role player for us. But, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate a guy when he knows, he knows his role and takes it and gets it done. Cause it ain't easy being a, you know, a pinch hitter and a role player hitting, you know, uh, that was my role too, uh, starting once or twice a week. No, but leave solid guy, um, uh, a little, a little too, uh, <clears throat> Oh, I don't know, too classy for me, maybe you are trying to be. <laughs> I'm a little bit back back, uh, back in the country, kind of, but, uh, but he was a solid guy, though. And finally, how was it to play for Davey Johnson? Well, Davey, Davey was Dave's good manager. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, which I tell people all the time, or not all the time, but they ask me about coach managers and stuff. And, and I think that, honestly, from my experience, a manager – might maybe 15, 20% might make the difference on a good side. 15, 20% might make a bad difference. And the rest, you know, the other 60% uh, just don't matter. Sure. You know, we were a loaded team. Sure were. Uh, I think he was the perfect manager for the situation. Uh, you know, he was a manager's man. He was a player's manager. And uh, he basically let us do what we needed to do. And, you know, a lot of managers would have tried to, uh, you know, pull the harnesses back on some, you know, wild things we had on that team. But uh, as long as you come in part ready to play, he didn't, you know, he didn't get on you. I, I think he could have been a little better communicator with, uh, you know, those that weren't necessarily the, the top dogs on the team. But, uh, you know, he's a nice man, and uh, he was definitely, you know, he knew the game. Um, he'd come from the Orioles organization, him and uh, Frank Cashin. And they came from winning, and they brought a winning culture to the Mets. And uh, uh, he could be a little cocky, you know, in spring training in 86. He said, gentlemen, 
we're going to kick butt this year, and we're going all the way, and we'll take it. You know, and you know, next thing you know, here we are, ticker tape parade. So, right. uh, Davey was a solid man, um, uh, uh, but he was, I mean, with the kind of talent he had, uh, you know, he, he writes a scorecard out there and you get it done. And tell that was an amazing postseason. I mean, the really on on with the Angels, they had and the Red Sox and Mets and the Astros and the Mets and the Red Sox. But uh, give us some moments that stick out to you uh, uh, about the great postseason in 1986. Yeah, you're exactly right, Coach. Uh, that was one of the best postseason of all time, in my opinion, in many people's opinion. You know, you take a look at, first of all, the Red Sox and the Angels. You know, I mean, the Angels had them down and out. And they came back, and Donnie Moore gave up that home run to Henderson, which ultimately, a couple of years later, uh, you know, Donnie took his life over it. And uh, But that was a tremendous, you know, league playoff. Now you look at us. You know, we played the pesky Astros. And I don't know if they were beating on garbage cans back then, but they did have a shooter, <laughs> at least one that we knew of, but we couldn't, you know, I mean, we did ultimately prove it, but the league turned their back to it. But, uh, right. you know, we went, uh, we were down uh, facing, um, we were down, Mike Scott, who I was talking about. Right, right. That ball <laughs> did some crazy things. It really did. And he had our guys really buffaloed. But I can tell you this day, I got the balls approved. Mike Scott scuffed that ball. But anyway, um, we we got behind that series, and uh, he had beat us twice already. And if we didn't gain, win game five or six, in, we would have faced him again, and we would have lost, and we would not have been there. So we went. We ended up going 16 innings in Houston, uh, the yeah. loudest place I ever heard in the Astrodome. You know, for 16 innings, uh, Billy Hatcher hit a home run off the foul pole. I don't know, about the 13th or 14th inning or something. It was crazy. And we go ahead, and they'd come back. And it was just just absolutely absurd. You could you could not talk to somebody in the dugout. It was so loud. I mean, you know, I'd almost want to say you couldn't even hear yourself thinking. It was that loud in, you know, an enclosed dome. So I, I never heard it anywhere else like that. But, um, you know, we, we finally get by them, and then, you know, we come out of the gate, and we're down 2-0 in, in New York. And um, I remember going over and talking to, to Jim Rice in the outfield yeah, when we went to Boston. And I said, Jim, I mean, does this feel like a World Series to you guys? I mean, is this just like spring training? Like, yeah, man, it's just kind of there's some drag to it. It's just not the same. Well, we both came off such tremendous series that I think we both went into the World Series, you know, really dragging and, and recovering from just high dr- drama to get there. Uh, but they got us 2-0, you know, they beat us twice at our place. And, um, you know, one of the greatest moves Davey made, speaking of Davey, uh, him and Hernandez, I think, came together on this, Keith Hernandez, and uh, he announced on the plane that we were not going to go to the ballpark did batting practice, and we were not going to go to uh, and and do interviews. We're we're just going to strap it on right. the next day. And well, that just 
man, that pissed off so many people. It was sad. I mean, but you know what? Um, we came out and got two out of three there and uh, came back to our place. And, um, you know, it was just massively entertaining. Fabulous World Series. Game six, obviously, probably one, one of the definitely one of the best World Series games in all history of the game. We were down two strikes, two outs, to, I don't know, three or four different hitters. And, you know, a blue pier blooped there and a ball through a wild pitch to tie the score. And then a, a ground ball, Mookie Wilson run to first, threw Buckner's legs and Ray Knight scores. And, you know, that's actually how we tied it, I guess. Um, no, that's how we won it. Yeah, we won, won it. it. Right. I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't remember the stuff anymore. But anyway, it was it was just you know, I mean, Billy had such a great career, Billy Butler, and sure you know, he, he, it was just a shame that that happened to him. I did get to play with him in Kansas City next year, or so uh, after I got traded to Kansas City, uh, Billy was a good man. He was a strong man, and uh, I just think uh, it's just a shame. But anyway, you know, we got rained out the next day, much to my chagrin, and I'm sure many of my teammates, because, man, we had Mo on our side. And you know who Mo right. is, right? That's Momentum. Right. And uh, we, were, I'm sure we were just going to go in there and take it all to the house, and we were going to, that was it. But uh, we got rained out. So, man, now the pitching staff get changed around and all that. And we got behind in game seven. And, uh, you know, we had the ball back and ended up winning eight to five. And, uh, it was a little bit anticlimactic, just a little bit, not too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you win the World Series and you win in New York right. and you win with a team that hadn't won since 1969, I think. Yeah, 69. It, it's crazy. I, I mean, it is, it, I mean, even to today, I mean, I told you about the curse of that herd and they haven't won since and i mean i can walk in delhi and, and you know i don't know if i'm recognized anymore i ain't as good as i once was but uh uh i mean people know who you are they just man they just love on you like it was yesterday sure and it's it's a really neat uh it was a neat time to be a rookie in the major leagues they no doubt about that right right but we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to be right back with 1986 world champion ed hearn Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. 
We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the Annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, and after the 86th season, the next season, you, you talked about being traded for David Cohn to Kansas City. Um, were you expected to be the starting catcher there? And, and then obviously some things happened. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was it was late in spring, um, and it was rumored through the rumor mills of the hot stove leagues, et cetera, that the, the Kansas City was interested in me. And I think, and much because of those two weeks that Gary was down, and how our team responded to me taking control. You know. Uh, uh, another thing I didn't mention about that those two weeks, I mean, the day he jammed his thumb that second game of the doubleheader, um, the newspapers the next day, it was like the worst thing that can happen to the Mets. Gary Carter goes down. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were leading the league by, you know, 20 games or something. So what more? Come on. But, you know, everybody just thought that was the end of the world. Well, you know, the next, next day I go to the park and there's just a Oh, God, but I mean, by God, I mean 15, 20 reporters in my locker. This is the regular season. These were the games. And, and they're, they're saying, they're quizzing me like, hey, I mean, how are you going to fill Gary Carter's shoes? And I said, I won't. That's just not going to happen. Them two big shoes. I got to be Ed Hearn, and I, and I got to do what Ed Hearn can do, and everything will be fine. But I'm going to tell you what, right now, the next two weeks, this is my team. And, and I'm going to take control of this. The same way Gary Carter's done all these games and everything. And when I've been in there during, you know, when I'm giving him break, you know, I mean, a catcher's leader. And you got to, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't back down to that like I was apologizing or anything. And I, you know, it was, uh, it turned out to be very solid. And um, so I think that had something to do with the Royals uh, and their interest in me to be the starting catcher. They had a, an older veteran catcher, um, uh, Sunberg. And, you know, they're coming off, uh, so 85, you win the World Series with a pitching staff of Dave uh, Saverhagen, Gubazov, Buddy Black, Danny Jackson. I mean, these kids were 21, 22 years old. And they wanted to get somebody hooked up with them that would could be together for the next five, six, seven, eight, ten years. And so I was a the guy, they plucked out all of baseball to tab me to take over and they had to, they had to give up David Cohen. I, mean, I don't think everybody knew what David Cohen was going to be uh, coming, you know, later on. But, uh, you know, when I answered the phone in spring training that night uh, and Joe McAvey with the Mets called me to let me know I've been traded. I said, okay. I said, and by the way, uh, uh, who did you get for me? Who did you get? Oh, uh, somebody, I didn't remember the name, but triple A pitcher. I'm like, triple A pitcher, that's it. <laughs> well, He's going on to be a little better than AAA. Yeah, he's going to do a little better than AAA. And, you know, and then I come to Kansas City two weeks into the season. 
I blown my shoulder out severely, and you know that was that was the beginning of the end, and that that was that was uh, that was the dream getting pierced uh, by you know a needle and popping a bubble, and um, I had major reconstructive back surgery that uh, June and battled hard for a couple of years to come back, and just I was so close, but. I don't think I'd ever been able to be a starting catcher anymore, but I could have certainly been back up because I could hit and, you know, I could do it on a couple of days a week basis. So, you know, that was, um, it, it just, what it just hard to live up to that 86 year. That's for sure. And, uh, but you know, uh, I, I still live in Kansas City, <laughs> uh, you know, in part because of the rest of the story though, actually. So. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, 1992, uh, things really start to hit you. Um, I'll just give you the floor and you tell us uh, what happened. Well, less than a year and a half after being out of the game there in 1991, uh, those kidneys that they said, um, you know, I might have problems with, they, they just crashed. And so I was on dialysis in the end of 91. And had my first of what has turned out to be three kidney transplants now. Uh, in um, that was April of 19, uh, 1992. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with uh, sleep apnea, central nerve sleep apnea. So I stopped breathing night and I'd start wearing a BiPAP breathing machine. And the third thing that diagnosed me was hypogammaglobulin anemia. And that is a deficiency of the immune system. And that my body uh, had trouble fighting off infections and stuff. And I had been diagnosed that as a kid, and they said, yeah, I outgrew it, but here it came back. And I had to take an IV once a month, about $10,000 shot, uh, shot. And I've been doing that since uh, 92. So what are we looking at? Ooh, how many years has that been now? Ooh, 12 and uh, 29. Yeah, all them years up. Yeah. yeah. I'm putting here 30 years. So. You know, I take 30 to 45, 35 to 40 pills a day. I've been doing that, you know, pretty much on the most part since 92. Um, yeah, it's just been crazy, just crazy. I've had, uh, as a result, you know, uh, those type of conditions, uh, a lot of side effects over the years of medications, et cetera. I've had uh, over 50 squamous cell carcinomas cut off of my body from uh, those skin cancers from the immunosuppression and all the sun during growing up in Florida and, you know, being out on the baseball field, and, you know, and that one of them went bad, had that radiation treatment, uh, in the temple area that's caused other issues in the, in the dental area. And you know, as I told you earlier, they've had to take all my teeth out six weeks ago. And it's just been a long journey of 30 some years of, you know, it's, it's like piling almost. <laughs> You know, um, and then our son came down, got cancer this, this junior senior year, and that was ten years ago. And man, he's been he's been battling a lot of sections of chemo. And I tell you, we've averaged like um, three hundred and sixty plus claims a year, medical claims and pharmacy claims for the last ten years straight. Jeez. I mean, just crazy craziness. But you know, uh, it's all been for a reason, Coach. Uh, you know. Uh, a guy, a guy heard me speak, and I, I've had a chance to speak all the country. Just um, a guy heard me speak, I don't know, what, 15 years ago, or whatever, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, "Son, he said you you have been from the penthouse to the outhouse and back." 
Yes, sir. Well, I believe you are correct. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of become like my little saying, you know, and, uh, but I tell people, coach, you know, yeah, man, I, you can probably back me up on this, but it is not at the penthouse of your life, the World Series of your life, where you grow and you get strong and you become the, the real person you were born to be. It's in the outhouse. It's yeah. where the, the, I mean, I, I mean, not the, the fertilizer is. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, it'll, no it'll grow you up. It'll grow yeah. you up or, or, you know or it'll cause a bunch of weeds, weeds to grow up and you'll be done. One so. Time. I heard Burt Reynolds say, he said, I don't, I got no more tests. I've had enough, no more tests. And uh, you've been through so much. I mean, we've, we all go through things, but I mean, I, I remember reading yeah, your yeah. book. Uh, you, you had a great book where you were very open uh, about things, um, uh, conquering life's curves. So I urge everyone to go out and get that book. But um, I, I Basically, in a nutshell, Ed, how do you do it? How do you go through all those tough things? And you mentioned your son uh, having, you know, cancer issues. I mean, how do you go through it? Because the past year plus, obviously, with the, the coronavirus, there's a lot of people who've been affected health-wise, financially, uh, mentally, physically. And I mean, what do you tell people to? How do they get through it? Well, you asked me how. I mean. How did I figure this out? And, you know, I think it started, Coach, when I, before I had my shoulder surgery here in Kansas City, um, I went to a hospital nearby uh, to have an arthrogram done. And that was what they did back then before these MRIs are all nice and fancy. But after I got done with that, the team was on the road, and um, I walked out of there, and I heard about a place. I was just only there a couple of weeks. I'd heard a place called Children's Mercy Hospital. And it's a place where young kids could get healed. You know, it's like it's like one of the top, you know, children's hospitals in, in the country. And, you know, I said, man, and I used to do a lot of things when I was in my leagues. I'd, I'd do the, the drug talks or the school talks or, you know, I'd just show up. You know, my mom taught me to, you know, do things for other people. And uh, so I was out on my own and, and, you know, bad news was hitting, man. It wasn't sounding very good. At that point, but I went over to that hospital, just ironically, and I'm telling you, by the time I got through visiting half a dozen kids, I walked out of there, and I began to have a new perspective. I mean, it wasn't totally new yet, because it hadn't been fully developed, but I saw them kids, and I said to myself, man, this is, this is nothing compared to those kids. That's nothing compared to the parents that had those children there. And, you know, I held on to that and went through surgery and battled to play and got, and got knocked out. It just wasn't going to happen. And then I'm into the real world, and, and I lose my health. And, uh, you know, a year and a half after I had my first transplant, uh, the side effects of medication were you know, there, there are numerous transplant patients that have multiple different side effects. One of the ones, I mean, one of the ones I have is like hair growth. I can grow hair like in my chest longer than you can on your head, Coach. Uh, <laughs> but one of the other side effects I had was uh, was mood swings and depression. So, you know, I'm like four years outside of shoulder surgery, a year and a half outside of, you know, losing my career. And I'm a year year and a half outside of having my first transplant. And I'm in the basement, and I got a literature seven magnum. 
and I am, I'm ready to call it quits. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh, you read that in the book. I was open about it because I believe there are a lot of people, Coach, that quit today, and more so even today. Sure. Not necessarily all the way down to, you know, taking their own life, but they quit on, on, on life. They quit trying. They give up. And in today's political world, you give up. You just live off the system. You know, so we won't go there anymore. But um, anyway, uh, you know, but I, I had that gun, that gun sitting there in my office down the basement. And it just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I wasn't raised to be like that. I wasn't raised to be selfish. And, and this woman that I had married just a few, a couple years earlier, that isn't what I was supposed to be, a quitter. And I put that gun down. But before I went upstairs, I had begun, I had been working for the New York Life for a couple of years. I absolutely hate it. I am no salesman. And I just hated it. But I went to a couple of conferences with the company, and I got to hear a man by the name of Zig Ziglar speech. Sure. Speak. And I remember sitting in that basement. I started thinking about a couple of things that Zig said. And I made a plan. Three things that I did. Number one, I got back to the basics of my faith. And that included you know, reading the playbook, hanging around with other teammates, kind of people that can lift you up in the right kind of way. I also decided that I was going to, I had to become a reader. Because my man Zig Ziglar, I never forget, he said, you can change where you're at in life by what you put into your mind. Sure. And I, I, I became a reader, and I had cassettes. I listened and read everything from Jesus Christ, the Bible, to Tony Robbins, and maybe even some Buddha. I don't know. I was just filling myself for the next few years, many years, and I still do. And I was collecting stuff, and I was always a quote guy, you know, just anything to keep going. But, man, I took it to the extreme, and uh, those two things were just extremely Instrumental, and when I walked up the 13 steps, I had a plan, and I and I activated that plan, and um, and I began to change where I was at in life. And uh, six months later, um, well, it hadn't been six months later. No, it was uh, it was just a few days, six days later. I'm sorry, six days later, a former Chiefs player called me up. I had met out doing some things in the community. Dave Lister, he, he was a, he was the president of his Oakland Park Rotary Club, and he called me to Eddie. Eddie, can you come out and do a, do a Rotary luncheon tomorrow? And you know the guy I had scheduled, he, he's had to back out. And I'm like, nah, Dave, I ain't feeling well, man. I didn't tell him I was in the basement with that Louis Freeze seven, right? <laughs> but Dave's a great man. He just kept twisting my arm. It's like, all right, Dave, I'll be there, bud. So I went there the next day, and uh, you know I had I had an activity I had activity with playing, but I, I I mean I'm just a couple of days into it, and so but I shared my story, and I'm just open with people, and just you know I mean I believe you know uh, being real is so important in life, and so after that you know people were just they were they were patting me on the back and all this stuff, and at the very end uh, last man to walk out was a guy who handing his card and he, and he said listen it. That was a great story. It's an old job you tell well corporate America will pay people like you to to speak at their conventions and stuff. And he said, I own a speaker spirit. And he said, I'd be glad to tell you about, you know, if you ever 
I don't know if you ever considered doing that, but, and I said, well, thank you. But, you know, right now, I don't think it's the right time. I didn't tell him I was in the basement a few days ago. <laughs> but right, six right. months later, uh, six months later, that's where it came to that six months. Um, uh, I called that man back and I said, hey, listen, you know, uh, you told me about this speaking thing. And he said, you know, uh, it might be a better time. I said, it, it, it might be you know, a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm on a train coming. <laughs> and, and, you know, I went to lunch and he said, well, he you know, started telling me this, that, and those things, things I could do. And, you know, he just sent down, sent out a letter to all the Rotary Club. Everybody needs a speaker and blah, blah, blah. And, but, you know, the thing he mostly told me, the main thing he said, it, so many people become speakers like a hooker becomes a hooker. I'm like, okay, let's see now. He That's said, well, right. you know, hooker will do it for, do it for somebody. And then I do it for a friend of, and then a friend of a friend. So the friend of friend's friend says, Hey, how much do you charge me to do that? And off you go, and you're 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 gonna make you can make some good money doing it. <laughs> like, okay, sure, whatever yeah. you say, man. Well, here we are, I don't know, twenty-five years from that, and uh, you know, it slowed down a lot since uh, some different things happened to the meeting industry, but and 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 with my health and COVID, I'm not speaking near. I was doing up to hundred engagements a year all over the country, and oh. but through all that I tell you, back in the hospital there in Children's Mercy, what has become so real to me is I've attempted to use my story to help people, like you said, that are hurting. There is a lot of people out there hurting. And, and, and I, I have come to the conclusion that I can take 35 or 40 pills a day, the greatest medicine I can take. It's when I have the opportunity to speak in front of an audience. I don't care if it's 10 people. Well, there are 5,000 people. It don't make any difference. If I can make a difference in someone else's life, that's the juice of life to me. Sure. And it don't have to be speaking. It can be from somebody telling me they read their book. I mean, I was just take a picture. You're talking about the book. I mean, you never told me before that today that you talked about that you had read the book. But, oh, you yeah. know, and I go out and I visit people. I've got a couple of hospice patients right now that I don't know. People just told me about and And I just go, I just go and knock on their door. And you know what? You know, I may be there two hours. I've got a 17-year-old boy who's, who's down his last weeks. And I'll guarantee you, every time I go see that young man, I'll guarantee you I get more out of it than he does. You know, for years, people out in the speakers and all that, you heard, think outside the box. Right, right. Well, oh, my God. Yeah. Folks, that is not the key to life. That is not it. As you say in your book, Coach, I mean, it's from the heart up. Yeah. And and what's at the heart there? If if you down there in your heart are thinking about I, I, me, me, it ain't going to cut it. You know that as a coach. You wrote about it. It's thinking outside the self. That's, that's, where, well that's where it's coming from. That's where it's going to come to you. And, and you can't outgive what comes back to you. And I don't know, maybe, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't know what you want in life, folks. I don't know, maybe maybe you want, you know, maybe you want to make a million dollars a year. I don't know. I got a story to tell you about how I was out there doing something with somebody else, and I made the biggest insurance sale of my life. Two years later, you know, came home with a $50,000 commission check. Now, I went out there. I, I went to visit somebody. went to help somebody out. Uh, I called somebody on the phone. That's what it was. A little gal heard me speaking. She came up and said, Mr. Hearn, Mr. Hearn, oh, would you, would you sign this card from my, uh, my uh, stepmother or my, uh, oh my goodness, my mother-in-law. 
I said, oh, sure. She won't tell me her mother-in-law just had a kidney transplant. And, oh, she's just the biggest baseball fan. She loves the Cleveland Indians. I said, oh, my God, really? Sorry to hear that. But anyway, nobody's perfect. Uh, <laughs> and finally, she's asking me all these questions that she's concerned about. She's in and out of the hospital. And I said, I, what, do you think your mother-in-law would, would appreciate or take a call from me, a phone call? This little girl looked up at me. She was tiny. She looked up at me and said, oh, Mr. Hearn, my God, she might, have, she might need a heart transplant. And you called her. Well, I did. And, you know, two years later, I delivered the biggest insurance check I ever did uh, to that woman. And it had nothing to do with me calling her about insurance. Sure. I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even in the business right now take my call. But it comes back to you. You know, Zig says it best, I think. You can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. Right, right. And you know what, you know what, Coach? Who on the baseball field, who on the baseball field epitomizes that more than any other position player? I would say the catcher. <laughs> there you go, brother. Yeah. That's right. That's why so many catchers are managers, man. Yeah. You know, they, they have thought and thought thought outside themselves and they learn, 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 learn. They know how to communicate because they know how to think what other people need. And they can they can manage with communications and they help people become winners. And that's what makes a great leader. Not a manager. I hate the word manager. It's a leader. Well Ed, you know, you Finishing with that story reminds me of uh, one of my favorite people who I mention on this show often. I'm sure you remember the name, Jim Valvano. He used to say that uh, his most favorite word in the English dictionary was the word impact. And he said that was always very important to him to have impact on people. And I remember when I was in eighth grade, before I even knew who Jimmy was and before I knew him, uh, there was an assembly at my junior high. He wasn't a very good speaker or anything like that, but I always said to myself, if I ever had the opportunity to have impact on somebody, I would jump at it, right? And because that is so important. And, and you have had impact on so many people with your story, and you will continue to have impact on people with your story. And I just wish you nothing but the best uh, of health and happiness and keep fighting. Um, if somebody's hearing this, and didn't know your story, the last thing they would have thought is that you had anything wrong with you because you're an upbeat guy. You uh, are joking, and, and you're, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're trying to reach out and tell people, you know, to have impact on people is what you're doing. It, and I just think it's a great story, and, and it's my honor uh, and our thrill to have you on our show, and, and I can't thank you enough, and I just wish you continued success in all facets of life. Well, Coach, thank you very much. That means a lot coming from you. And like I said at the beginning, thank you for the at-bat. Uh, I hope you realize now I'm serious about that. And the other thing that, that I always tell people is, you know, you got to keep swinging from fences regardless of life's curves. You're going to get some curveball, folks. you just got to keep swinging. Sometimes you got to pull yourself up the fanny pack from getting a, a heater on the, under your chin, but that's going to happen in life. You got to stay in that batter's box and keep swinging. Coach, you keep doing things you're doing. You're making a difference, and you know you're the kind of guy I appreciate. So you uh, continue to test and good health to you, brother. 
Thank you, brother. We'll be in touch for sure. But I appreciate you very, very much. It's a thrill, like I said, reading your, watching you as a player, reading your book, and now having you on the show. It's, it's, it really means a lot, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, man. God bless you, brother. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that was an excellent story with, with impact. And, and listen to this, this episode several times for sure. Uh, as always, I want to thank our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney, Art Jackson-Lurie, and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club. Uh, and you know what? I, I mentioned my book, but make sure you do get Ed's book, Conquering Life's Curves. I'm sure you can still get that uh, on Amazon and some other uh, people, uh, the companies who sell books. Um, my book, you've heard plenty about my book. Uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, keep sending great emails. Again, I have an announcement coming up soon. I'm busting at the seams to announce it as soon as I'm allowed to. I'm going to. Um, and uh, as always, thank Rick Mitchell and Adam Zalouf. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. to my dad and he seems out of sorts like he can't understand what I'm saying it's not just a hearing problem Jolie it is a health problem even with a mild hearing loss our risk of dementia doubles with age so let's improve dad's hearing and his health let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding laughter and happy memories serving the Dubois area for over 20 years the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois Punxsy and St. Mary's the hearing solutions you've been looking for call us for an appointment today 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service above self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298.